We're in a series entitled Focus, and, and God laid that word on my heart uh, several weeks ago. Focus is so important, and you know, with so much going on in the world, sometimes we ask the wrong questions. We ask questions like, why did God allow this? Why is, why is God letting this happen? And the reality is, as God's children, we, we need to be asking, how can the gospel go forward in the midst of this? How can the kingdom of God advance? How can people be brought into the kingdom of God? How can we live to represent Jesus Christ in this dark hour? Because as you know, light shines best when it's dark. And in the darkness, our light, the light of Jesus Christ shines through us. And, and when there's difficult times, it gives us the opportunity to shine even brighter to share the good news, to share the peace and love of Jesus Christ, the hope that he has given us. It, it gives us an opportunity to be a steadying force when the world is so shaky. And, and God has given you his spirit, that, that comforting, powerful, Holy Spirit of God that, that fills us and gives us the ability to stand in the midst of difficult times. So, Lord, help us to uh, see the big picture, to focus and say, hey, what am I called to do? What am I called to be in this dark hour? Amen? Uh, focus. First week we looked at focusing on our Heavenly Father. David said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Get, get close to him. The closer you get, the larger he becomes in your eyes. And I read a quote this, this week that said, you will worship to the level of your revelation of who God is. You won't worship God unless you understand who he is. You'll worship something we all worship. It's part of how we were designed. We were designed by God to worship him. And many times we get off track and we start to worship things and stuff and, and people and, and ideas. And, and yet God has called us to be worshipers, true worshipers of him who worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And so as we get a glimpse of who he is and, and he is revealed to us, we begin to worship him to that level. And I pray today that, that our eyes are, are open, that the scales drop from our eyes and we begin to see God for who he really is. Because when you see him, you see... You can't help but worship him. When you know him, you can't help but worship him. In heaven, around the throne, 24-7 is worship and praise. Because they know him, they have been in his presence. And when you're in his presence, something happens inside of you. And you can't help but worship him. So I pray God reveals himself to us in a, in a deeper way. Focus on your heavenly father. Get a fresh glimpse of who he is. And then we looked at 1 Peter chapter 1, and we talked about focusing on our forever future. You have a forever future. Tell your neighbor that. You have a forever future. Go ahead. Remind them again. You have a forever future. We've got to fix our eyes, look beyond the stuff that's going on now, 
and see what God has for us in the days to come. Because this world is not our home. The hundred or so years we're going to live here, many less, many, some, a few more, <laughs> not much. But, but that time is just temporary. And last week God spoke to us and said, focus on the eternal, not on the temporary. Because sometimes we just get so focused on temporary stuff. And we need to realize what it is. It's just moth and rust stuff. It, it's stuff that is going to pass away. And, uh, and so Peter reminds the church, and, and, and he's writing to a group of Christians who are in a, in a mess. I mean, the, the, the society at that time was led by Nero, and he was a nasty man. He, I mean, he, killed, he killed his mom, and he had his wives killed, and he was killing Christians right and left and tying them to stakes, burning them at the stake, at night so they could have light uh, when it got dark. And, and that's, that's the situation that, that Peter's writing to these Christians. And he says in verse 6 of 1 Peter chapter 1, So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. I mean, that one verse right there just kind of sums up a whole bunch of stuff. There's a lot of junk going on, and you will face a lot of junk. You're going to deal with stuff, but it's a little while. It's temporary. And there's something greater coming. There's a joy ahead that God has for us, so we've got to focus. And he says, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. You're going to, you're going to find out how genuine your faith is when you go through some stuff. I don't want to hear your story of how God has totally blessed you your entire life. You've never had a trouble, okay? Because I don't believe you. But you show me your scars. You show me how you've stood and walked through the fire and how God has kept you just like he promised he would. I want to hear that story. Because that's the faithfulness of God. And Peter said, you're going to go through some stuff, but it's, it's stuff you've got to endure for a little while. And those trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. And he goes on in the last part of that verse, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. And then he says in verse 13, so here's what you got to do. So prepare your minds for action. What is action? It's something you got to do. It's something you got to do. Prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control because there's some things you don't need to do. Some things you don't need to be involved in. So you, you prepare your minds for action, prepare yourself for what you've got to do, and exercise the self-control God has blessed you with to know what not to do, what not to get involved with. There's a lot of stuff you don't need to be involved with. 
And you need the wisdom of God and the anointing of God to know what to pass on. What relationships to pass on. And he says, put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you. It will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Because that day's coming. It's a guarantee. So, you must live as God's obedient children. Now, how many of you know there are disobedient children? I was one at one point in my life. There was a point where I obeyed everything my parents said, and then there was a point where I'm like, yeah, right. I know better. I got better plans than that. And then I woke up after they hit me. And, well, no, no. I well, they did... They did use the rod of correction, and it worked really well. And uh, I survived somehow. I don't know. But he says, you must live as God's obedient children. Don't disobey. Don't take yourself out of the blessing position. I mean, you, you can stay in the blessing position by obeying your father, by obeying your parents. In fact, Paul writes to the Ephesians, he said, that's the one promise that comes with the blessing. It's, it's a commandment that has a promise with it. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right, and you'll live long on the earth. You'll, you'll be blessed because you do this. And so he says, so you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. And, and most of us can say, yeah, you know, I used to be really, really stupid. I lived for myself. I lived for the enemy, the devil. I, I just did whatever I wanted. And found out how stupid I was living when I met Jesus. And now I know better. And for some of us, even though we know better, we're still slipping back, going back to the same old junk that had us bound up. When, when Christ sets you free, don't use that freedom as, as a, a way to go back into the junk you got out of. He sets you free for a reason. And uh, he says, now you must be holy in everything you do just as God who chose you is holy. The scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy, God says. So we talked last week and said, don't just tack Jesus onto your old life. Let him transform your old life and give you a brand new life. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away. All things become new. Let him bring some newness to your life. So we talked about focus. Focus on your heavenly father. Focus on your forever future. And today, I want to I delve into 1 Peter chapter 2 and talk about focus on following Jesus. 
Focus on following Jesus. Tell your neighbor, follow Jesus. Now, Peter is writing this, and Peter, this is the same Peter, Simon Peter. This is the same guy that Jesus knew was going to betray him. And so Jesus talked to Peter before the betrayal, and he says in Luke chapter 22, verse 31, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat, but I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. Jesus said, I know because, because of the foreknowledge of God, I know what's going to happen and Satan wants to sift you. I mean, he wants to just whack the daylights out of you. And it's going to happen. But I'm praying for you. I'm pleading in prayer to God the Father for you to be able to stand strong in your faith. It's a great comfort to me to know that Jesus Christ is still interceding for us at the right hand of the Father today in heaven. And he's praying for us. He knows what we're going to face and he cares enough to pray for us that our faith won't fail. And, and Peter faced this temptation and, and notice what the next line that Jesus uses is. He says, so... So, when you have repented, why am I going to need to repent? Because you're going to fall. When you have repented and turned to me again, he knows we can't do everything perfect. But we've got to have a spirit of repentance and turning to him again. And here's what the enemy wants for your life. The enemy, the devil, wants to, to, to bring you to a point where you don't want to go back to God ever again. He wants to make you filled with shame and condemnation. So here's the, here's the line he feeds to you. Well, you can't go back to God. He's mad at you. I mean, really, look what you just did. You did that again, like you did last week and the week before that. And the condemnation, and, and the point is, he's trying to drive you away from the presence of God. And here's Jesus talking to Peter, saying, Peter, look, I know you're going to fall, but when you repent and turn back to me again, because I'm praying for you. And I'm here waiting for you. And you're going to come back. And when you come back, when you come back, I got a job for you. <laughs> when, when you come back, when you've repented, turn to me again. Strengthen your brothers. Help the other ones who are going to be struggling. And this is why the body of Christ is so important. This is why gathering together as the church of Jesus Christ is so vital. Hey, y'all got junk. 
every one of us, we're all going to need to have a, a spirit of repentance and allow God to forgive us so we can come back into the fold. And when we come back, we've got a job to do. We've got to take somebody else by the hand and say, come on, man. Come on. You can do this. Here's how I made it through. Here's how God blessed me. Here's how God kept me. Here's how God strengthened me and gave me some wisdom now that I've been through some stuff. So here's Peter writing to the church and strengthening his brothers. He's doing exactly what Jesus told him to do. He's being an obedient child. And how many of you know that when you obey, it's just a light way to live? Amen. <laughs> it's no big deal. No problem. I'm obeying. It's okay. It's good. And when you disobey, you're always looking because you know something's coming. Okay. So, 1 Peter chapter 2. So, get rid of. Somebody say, get rid of. Get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with. <laughs> get rid of. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. That's a good list. It's not an exhaustive list by any means, but it's a good starting place. Get rid of all evil behavior. You could lump a whole bunch of stuff in there. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. And like newborn babies, you must crave spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you've had a taste of the Lord's kindness. There's some stuff you need to cut out. Cut out the wrong stuff. Crave the right stuff. Cry out like a baby. Because see, babies know they got to eat or they die. And you got to know that as a child of God. If you don't eat spiritual food, you're going to die spiritually. You can't starve yourself and eat once a week or once a month. They tell us that, that people attend church about once a month or so. I, I grew up in the Midwest where, I mean, if you miss church once in a month, it's like, whoa, what's wrong? You, you backsliding. Because we were there every week. People had a commitment. And, and, not that this is your only spiritual food. It better not be, okay? You need to be feeding yourself. You need to be daily ingesting the Word of God, that, that Word that is able to sustain you, that Word that is able to save you, that Word that does is spiritual surgery in your life, cuts out the wrong stuff and brings in the right stuff. It's nourishment. And he says, cry out like a baby. Not just when it's convenient. 
So he says in verse 4, you are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great Oh, yeah, honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I'm placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor. And anyone who trusts in him will Never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust him recognize the, the honor God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Listen, your choice to trust God or reject him doesn't change him a bit. He's still God. He's still the cornerstone. The benefit is on your end. The benefit or the punishment. Jesus said, you fall on this stone, you'll be broken to pieces. But if this stone falls on you, you'll be crushed. He's the chief cornerstone. It's a big deal to honor him. It's a big deal to live for him. It's a big deal to obey him. And he says in verse 8, and he is the stone that makes people stumble. The rock that makes them fall. I mean, you can, you can talk about any religion you want, but as soon as you bring up the name Jesus. <laughs> well, yeah, but we can't do Jesus. We can talk about God. We can talk about Allah. We can talk, you know, go, go down the list. Buddha, just, just name them all. Nobody gets real offensive. But as soon as you talk about Jesus, he's the stone the builders rejected. He's the one who makes them fall. He, he is the, the one who causes people to stumble. Because he is the only God who is alive and well. In verse 8, he says, they stumble because they don't obey God's word. So they meet the fate that was planned for them. But you are not like that. I love, I love what Peter's doing here. But, but you're not like that. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests. You're a holy nation. God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you didn't, had no identity as a people, now you're God's people. Once you received no mercy, but now you have received God's mercy. There's something different about you. You are somebody. 
Look at your neighbor and tell them that. You are somebody. Come on, tell them louder. You are somebody. Don't let anyone bring you down to their level if they're not a follower of Christ. You are somebody. You're set apart. You're God's chosen people. You're royalty. You see, when you got royal blood flowing through your veins, you really don't care what anybody else thinks. Because you know where your inheritance is. You know something's coming someday. And it doesn't matter what anybody pushes against you, fights against you. It's okay. Because you know I'm somebody. I've been chosen. I've been set apart. I'm royalty. I'm a priest set apart by God and for God. I'm holy. I'm owned by God. You got to focus. Who am I? I'm a child of the living God. I am somebody. Say that with me. I am somebody. Listen, you should stick out like a sore thumb in this culture. I was reading an article about how smartphones have destroyed a generation. And a young 13-year-old girl who's had a smartphone since she was 11, she told the interviewer, she told me she'd spent most of the summer hanging out alone in her room with her phone. She said that's just the way her generation is. We didn't have a choice to know any life without iPads or iPhones. And here's the line that got to me. I think we like our phones more than we like actual people. And I have a feeling that a lot of society has become just like that, even in the church. We have come to like our phones, our stuff, more than we like actual people that Jesus died for. Some of you would be more upset if your phone dropped in the toilet than about children who are being murdered on a daily basis in the womb. We're more upset about our iPhones. We're more upset about that than people dying and going to hell. We like our stuff more than we like actual people. And I'm wondering when we'll wake up and begin to focus on what Jesus focused on. Because Jesus was all about reaching and changing people. You're different. You are somebody 
You are somebody that's been rescued from darkness and brought into his marvelous light. You are somebody who can show the goodness of God. You are somebody who is called to reach and to change your world for Jesus Christ. That's why one of our taglines here is reaching lives away from Jesus to be changed by his love. We've got to focus on who we are. We're God's children. We're God's people. We're called to shine brightly. Focus on following Jesus. So we've got to ask ourselves the question, what matters to Jesus? And if I'm following him, will I do what matters to him? Or will I focus on the temporary stuff? He goes on in verse 11 and he says, Dear friends, I warn you, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. You see, some of the stuff we desire is killing us. When I had my heart attack four years ago now, yeah, I uh, found out that some of the stuff I craved was killing me. And Peter reminds us, he said, I warn you, this is temporary. There's some stuff you need to stay away from because it's killing your soul. It's feeding your, your natural man, but it's killing your spiritual man. It's feeding the flesh, but it's killing the spirit. So he says, I warn you, keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior. They will give honor to God when he judges the world. For the Lord's sake. Somebody say, for the Lord's sake. Not for your sake, but for the Lord's sake. Submit to all human authority. Whether the king as head of state or the officials he has appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. I'll never forget the day I was driving with my dad, riding with my dad. He's driving, and, and I see a policeman off in the distance, and I said, Dad, cop. And he looked at me, and he said, I don't have to be afraid of cops because I'm obeying the law. <laughs> what a novel idea. <laughs> like, really? We don't, we don't have to? Oh, Okay. We'll just live then. <laughs> wow. And I never forgot that moment. Because when you live properly, when you live honorably, when you live according to the rules, you don't have to worry. He goes on and he says, it's God's will. You're wondering what the will of God is? Here it is. It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. 
for you're free, yet you're God's slaves. Huh? You're free, but you're a slave to God. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Verse 17, respect everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the king. You who are slaves or employees must submit to your employers, your masters with all respect. Do what they tell you. Not only if they're kind and reasonable, but even if they're cruel. Does that mean my coach? Oh, ouch. For God is pleased when conscious of his will, you patiently endure unjust treatment. Of course, you get no credit for being patient if you're beaten for doing wrong. But if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. For God has called you to do good even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example. And you must follow in his steps. Focus on following Jesus. Where's he walking? I'm going to walk in his steps. I'm going to do what Jesus is doing. I'm going to be what Jesus is being. I'm going to submit to him. He goes on and he says he never sinned nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. <coughs> oh, how we want to grab it out of God's hands and do it ourselves. God, I, 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 you're waiting way too long. I got to deal with this. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. Focus. Focus on following Jesus. He'll give you the power you need to overcome everything you face. He will heal you. He will set you free from sin. He'll give you the power to live for what is right. He'll be your shepherd. He'll guard your soul. Don't turn away from God. Turn to God. Turn it over to God. Turn your sin over to God. Turn your pain over to God. Turn your hurt over to God. Turn your relationships over to God. Turn your disappointment. Turn your wounds over to Him. Turn your life over to Him. Let Him be the guardian of your soul. Someone said, though your heartaches are many, they can form you, but not define you. You cast the deciding vote. And how do you do that? You turn to your shepherd. You turn to the guardian of your soul. Let's stand together. Lord, we're going to turn to you today. We're going to turn not away from you. We're going to turn to you. Because, Lord, you've got our best interest in mind. You know what we need and how we need to handle it. And you're able to give us 
every single thing that we need in the midst of every trial, of every difficulty. We turn to you knowing that by your wounds we are healed. We turn to you who carried our sin on the cross. We turn to you who loves us beyond measure. We turn to you, Lord, in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our difficulties, we turn to you who has the ability to save us, to rescue us, to give us the strength that we need to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Thank you, Lord.